Welcome to the Dr. Gabrielle Lyon Show, where I believe a healthy world is based on transparent conversations. In today's episode, I sit down with my very good friend, Sal Frisella. And I, you know, I've known Sal since 2018 uh, when I first went to First Form. This guy, he is a father of three. Uh, he's got two twin girls and Enzo, a beautiful wife, his bride, and he is president of First Form. This guy is a leader. And when he talks, everybody listens. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. In this episode, you will learn what it takes to be a great leader. You're also going to hear someone who is a servant leader. He's incredibly humble, yet confident, and he really cares about those around him. Please enjoy this episode. I'd like to take a moment to thank one of the other sponsors of the show, and that is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You know, one of the things when we think about being the best we really all want to be the best version of ourselves. It is not just a unidimensional endeavor. And what does that mean? That means we're not just focused on physical health, but mental health is absolutely essential. And listen, life happens. It's full of twists and turns. It's important to be your own best friend. And BetterHelp has online therapy They will assess your needs. They can match you with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours. It is really essential because, listen, you can't really make the impact that you want to make if you have things left unchecked. And really, that's some of the emotional things that can totally get in your way. They have a special offer for my listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dr. Lion. It is affordable. It is accessible. Accessibility is critical because if it is accessible, you will execute. Financial aid is available. So please check out BetterHelp.com slash Dr. Lion. I've been working with First Form since 2018. I believe in them as a company, their mission to help people and the quality of their products, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to have Sal Frisella on. Not only am I incredibly impressed with the thing, which is the supplement, I'm equally, if not more impressed with the why, the why behind they do what they do. One of the things I appreciate most is their commitment to educating and helping the consumer set themselves up for success. And of course, they will be the first to tell you that there are no magic supplements. You have to do the work and you need to focus on quality nutrition, drinking water. And when you think about supplementation to support your lifestyle, one of the biggest things that I believe to be a modifying factor is high quality protein and high quality protein supplements. Two of the most popular being a formula one natural protein powder, which I use and their collagen powder. Both are options you can keep in the cabinet, use daily. You can use it around your workout, really anytime before bed. You can check out formula one natural and collagen first form dot com slash Dr. Lion. They do have a 110% money back guarantee. Not only do I love their products, I love these people and I know you will too. Positivity or neutrality? Positivity. Yeah. Talent or effort? Effort. Vision or destiny? Vision. Born leader or cultivated Cultivated leader? Cultivated leader. Yeah. Uh, Every single one of those answers was a growth mindset answer. Bet you uh, knew that. Okay. Tell me, what makes emotion? I got some instincts. (laughs) (laughs) You got the instincts. Um, Tell me about that. I I mean, I I think it's actually really interesting, right? Because all those questions, um, I think what I see is opportunity or excuse. That's kind of how my brain interprets that. And I think... You know, we are all born with some deficiencies in some way. We're all born with a set of skills in some way. But unless you put them to use, they're really, they're no good, right? You have to learn to execute and put into play 
you know, what is it that God gave you or what is the opportunity you have in front of you and go out and maximize, you know, that your time, energy and effort focused on what it is that you're trying to do. That's why vision for me is extremely important because, you know, if you don't know where you're going, it really doesn't matter, right? You can work hard, but if you don't have a destination in mind, if you don't have an understanding of what you're trying to do, where are you going? And for the young people, you know, I have quite a few young people that work for me and very fortunate to have a, an unbelievable environment of young talent that we've been able to cultivate over the last, I don't know, 13 years. Cultivate or find? Cultivate oh, or find? It's uh, the, the number one question we get if you come to our building. I would say that we have the best employees on planet Earth. And everybody's like, well, where do you find them? And I, the joke is I say, well, I go down the street to the tree, to the good employee farm, and I shake it, you know, and I grab a couple and bring them back. And, you know, character is built, right? Those characteristics that you find in good employees. Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for how they're raised and, you know, the work ethic they have. We try, you know, you try, it's the purpose of the interview process, right? I don't, I don't care what the degree is. I care what the human is. And so, you know, building those people and developing those young leaders or those young people into, you know, into what we try to identify as good people or good stewards of society you know, that's our job. That's really what our job is here at, at, at headquarters is how do we how do we find people, identify their strengths, identify their weaknesses, and then start plugging holes, right? Start trying to find where, where is this person going to succeed? Where are they going to fail? How do we reduce the failures but learn from them? You know, and so, uh, you know, I've messed up a lot. So you develop those skills too. But, you know, I, I think, um, the building of young men and women, you know, starts with what looks back at you in the mirror, because just like, um, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? That's the analogy they use for children. The same exact thing happens inside the business environment, whether you want to or not. I mean, they are watching you and they watch you very closely. In fact, there's an argument to be said that your employees will watch you closer than your children. And that's why it's so important to Find a set of values that I that you identify with. That's something that's important to you, and and stick to those and identify and, and and really execute on those. Because at the end of the day, you know you you are what you tolerate, right? And if you tolerate weakness from yourself, if you tolerate you know half assness from yourself, you're going to learn to tolerate it from your employees. But if you expect greatness from yourself and you expect uh, or you don't tolerate weakness uh, from yourself, it's a way easier. Uh, it's a way easier grading scale out in, in, in the employment land because they're seeing what you're doing and you can always check reference like, hey, this is how I handle this, what I do. This is the standard, right? And so, you know, it, it but again, that ties back into vision. Uh, you know, you have to see what it is that you want. You have to be able to, to have a pathway on where you're wanting to go. And, you know, back to the original question, I use the analogy all the time when I'm, you know, teaching or speaking. People will spend weeks, you know, identifying a vacation spot, right? And for everybody, the vacation is different. A vacation is not, um, you know, for me, um, you know, I, I like, I'm a beach guy for some things. I'm a mountain guy for other things, but both vacations serve a different purpose. And if I just said, Hey, pack your bags, we're going on vacation. There's a lot of things that you have to identify on. What, what do you, what do you want to do? You know, because the bag that you pack to go to the mountains is significantly different than the bag you pack to go to the beach. And if you pack the bag for the beach and you end up in the mountains, you're in a, you're in a shit storm and you're not happy. And, you know, with life, it's no different. You have to be able to you have to be able to visualize what it is that you want. And then you got to start putting the pieces together and, and, and road mapping it out. And same to be said, you know, we're we live in Missouri, right, where we cow tip on Friday nights for fun. And, you know, three teeth is is the norm. Just kidding. I love the state of Missouri. I didn't want to. I do too, by the way. Yeah, I do I too. Live here. Uh -huh. I love, yeah, you, 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 got, you got some Missouri in you. And, um, yep. you know, I, I think, you know, same to be said for the pathway, right? The pathway for us to get to the beach in Florida is a different highway than it is to go to Colorado, right? So you, you got you're going two different directions. And so if you don't know exactly where you're going, how are you ever going to get there? If you can't see what it is that you're trying to do, if you can't visualize the state that it is, uh, it's a very difficult challenge. In fact, I, I, sh I have a vision board and it's my first vision board. I just shared it uh, with my team, you know, three weeks ago. And it's eerily similar. My life to this day is eerily similar to that vision board in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. And and when did you when did you make that vision ago. board? So my 
13 years, years ago and yeah, you and I'd kept be happy it. To, I'll, I'll share it with you if, if you want. But it's one of those things where, you know, uh, Andrew, my brother, I'm the only one who calls him Andrew, Andy, my brother. It is funny. Um, you know, he, there was only 13 of us at the time in, in supplement superstores. I was the only first form employee. It was, you know, employee number one. We hadn't even really started first form at this time, but he was making his managers at the stores do an exercise of building a vision board. Well, I put mine into fruition and I hung it in, um, you know, in every office that I've had up until this point, I, you know, it's, it now, it actually resides in my bathroom here at HQ because it was so relevant to my life. And it's so important for me to see it every single day and then watch some of those visions come to life. I mean, the house that I have on my vision board is almost identical to the house that I live in now, you know, and I'm talking cars and kids and it's, 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 it's scary, right? When you start to really open your mind up that that vision really does matter. Now, I think where I go back to the excuse part of the train where a lot of people, they don't want to sign up for that vision board because there's an accountability piece that comes with it, right? Like my vision board, when we were when 13 years ago, we first formed at $0 in sales. We had zero employees. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a very scary thing to put out into reality that one day we're going to have an environment where people from all over the world come to train. We're going to employ, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people. We're going to build you know, the, the number one sports nutrition company in the industry, though, that was a very scary dream to put into an existence. And then to start, you know, putting these visual tags to it made you almost seem goofy. And I think a lot of people don't want to do it because they don't, they're afraid of the failure piece of that, you know, and they don't, if they put it into reality and it's an actual living, breathing thing, like a vision board, if they don't achieve, now they're a failure and they don't, so, so instead of seeing the opportunity that's in front of us, like we did 13 years ago, hey, there's there's a huge gap in industry. This is what we're going to try to do. And we're going to have a lot of work to do in order to get there. But it's achievable if we're willing to pay that price. And a lot of people don't want to sign up for that. They don't see that opportunity. So they check down and they say, well, I'm, that life's not for me. Or, you know, that, that destiny is you, or, you know, that's, that's not really a thing. No, it's because it's a vision. We built this. You know, it's a handcrafted Every single department is something that's been thought of for years. Every single, uh, you know, opportunity that we've crossed has been something that we've created through a vision that put us in another pathway that put us into another opportunity. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are scared of that. It's a scary, it is, it's a realistically, it's a scary thing that, you know, you're going to fail in life. So were you afraid? Of course you're afraid, but I'm, it's also like, you know, it, it's being afraid to go over and ask the hottest girl out in the room. You're a little bit which, by the way, if you guys have not seen Sal's wife, which uh, she is likely in any room, the hottest I agree. woman in the room. See, I agree. Incredible. And I appreciate She's incredible. That, Dr. Gabrielle. But it's one of those things, you know, for me, and again, going back, this is a lesson that I try to teach the young guys and girls here at First Form. You know that feeling you get, and everybody's had that feeling. I'm 41. So, you know, 20 years ago, you know, you're out. You're not really confident about what it is. You got a little bit of false ego in a sense because you haven't really done anything. But, you know, you, the, the person that really makes you have butterflies is across the room. Now, you got two options, right? You can walk across the room and simply ask the question. Going to cause a little bit of nerves. Might make your stomach tum crumble a little bit. But at the end of the day, she might say yes, she might say no. Or he might say yes, he might say no. But if you don't take your shot, you're never going to know. It's always a no. But that little so you're well, saying the possibility of regret was far superior, much higher, right? Like you, 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 you could walk over there and, and which I did and that's how I met my wife, you know, and, and, and have try to have that conversation in fear of rejection. Sure. You might get told no, it's part of the deal, but that's just like business, right? You're going to get told no, you're going to fail. But if you just sit on this side of the bar, you're always going to wonder of the, what if, like, well, what if I did this or why didn't I do this? Or I should have done that. And I think that's what you realize in life. And I, one thing that we do really well here at First Form is I think we get young people because we've lived and walked through those pathways is to let them know like, hey, listen, I, I'm asking you to do something that I've done. I'm not asking you to do something I wouldn't do. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not currently doing now. I mean, our, our goal as a company is, you know, we want to go play with the ranks of Nike and Under Armour. It's not in our world. It's not like, oh, we can just we can stay in our little bubble and. No, I'm, and that's uncomfortable, right? It's it's a it's a scary feeling to put yourself in that spot, but I'm willing to do it, and it's what has to be done. 
And in order to get other people to follow you, you got to be able to paint that pathway that you're walking next to them. And I think, you know, when you start that fear holds a lot of people back in a lot of areas of life. And, and you know, we, we help people lose weight all the time. That's the backbone of our, our company, which is the first format. And it's that fear of signing up for the next challenge or the next diet or the, what happens if I fail? What happens if this one's not for me? What happens if this app doesn't work? What happens if my advisor, we paint ourselves in such a negative light that we never end up moving. And, you know, that first step is the biggest step. And then putting one foot in front of the other and having faith in the process and understanding that you're going to fail. It's just part of the deal and it's okay. But the idea is to continue to learn and get better and progress and change your life. That's, that's how we look at that. Let me ask you about this get better part. Now, I've spent quite a bit of time at First Form since actually 2018. Crazy, isn't it? One at which is, <laughs> it, it is amazing. It is amazing. One of the most incredible things that I've seen is that the caliber of the individual that is there is, I mean, let's just take Kate for uh, example. I was in town shooting some education video for you guys. She was on her hands and knees. There was a spot on the floor. She was on her hands and knees. And she, by the way, is the head of a department of first form experience. On her hands and knees, cleaning it up. So here's my question for you. Ready? How do you vet the individual in which you are going to pour time into? Because cultivating exceptional leadership, which ultimately I, I believe that you guys are cultivating individuals, that is not without an incredible time commitment. How do you, number one, identify those individuals? And number two, what is your tolerance for them meeting an expectation or not meeting an expectation for how many chances do they get? Where, where do they flush out? I think this is where most people fail, okay? And I would, I'm going to answer two before I answer one because I think two is two – is, Two is extremely important in, in identifying who's out there because I, I am not the most talented individual. I'm not actually very intelligent. Uh, I am a very hard worker, um, something that I, it's how I've been able to create my competitive advantage. And I have a very strong set of standards that I'm not willing to budge on. And those are personal for me. Those are professional for me. Those are those are the those are the things that are most important to me. That when I die, my kids will understand that these are the unshakables in their dad. And those characteristic traits are non-negotiables. And you know the saying that you hear on the internet, and I think I even dropped this in there. You know, you are what you tolerate. And I think a lot of people blow right by that because there's so many turd burglars on the internet who are motivational gurus who really don't have. Who haven't, yeah, they done, haven't anything, done anything, by they the don't way. own a business, they don't manage people, and they don't have an understanding of, of what's what. And so when you start really looking at um, what makes great leaders great, I think you know great leaders build great people because they identify together in the characteristic traits that, that they find most valuable. And so like when you start looking at what's most valuable, <clears throat> for me, I'm not too good for I'm not too good for any job in this building. I'll still sweep the floor, I'll still pack a box. My guys and girls know that I can answer an email. I am uh, the certification, but whatever it is, um, if that's not, I don't use the phrase, that's not my job. Now, there are things as you get bigger, there's things I don't really want to do, but don't kid yourself. I'll break down water and refill a fridge, you know, because that's what's got to get done. Or if I got to sweep the floor because that's what needs to get done, I'm, I'm right there next to them. And I think when you look at our core group of leadership, um, they identify that as a, as a key characteristic because at one point in time, they were packing a box or filling an order and they likely saw somebody that they valued their opinion and or trust doing those small, you know, quote, quote unquote, not my job task. And they realized how important that was to them. And so when you walk over a piece of trash, right, we identify that that's our trash. We see it. That's our trash. It's not somebody else's job. That's my job. If you walk into our bathrooms, you know, they, they spotless, by the way. Yeah, Yeah. Well, and that's, by design. Spotless. And, and I challenge people all the time. I will guarantee you my public restroom is likely more clean than your, than your private restroom. And they used to, the joke is at the old place, at the old HQ, which you've been to as well, uh, they called me the poo police because I, 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 am, I am a huge stickler on kitchens and bathrooms. And I think – because when you go to a restaurant, I think, hey, if they don't take care of their bathroom, what, what does their kitchen look like? Because you don't get to see that. This is public facing. And 
So I've always just adopted that mentality in our business. Like these people are ingesting our supplements. Well, they need to know what it is that's most important to us. And, and that standard is what's most important to us. And, you know, when you walk in our bathrooms, I want to make sure that we always have a place that not only speaks for itself when no one's there to speak for it, uh, that tells the story that everything you, everything else that happens inside our walls takes care of itself. That's not a cleaning crew. I don't have a 24-hour service. We don't have nightly crews that come through and make sure everything's tidy. That's our staff making sure that our place is to the standard, the standard that we set. And that standard is, and I tell people all the time, my my little girls, I want to be able to walk into our bathrooms and make sure that they go to the bathroom at any single toilet, at any single time, and I'm not worried about some young guy who wasn't raised correctly, who doesn't know how to take care of his toilet. I'm going to set the standard. We're going to enforce that standard. And that's how it's going to be held. If you can't follow the standard, you won't make it here. And, and you won't make it. And that's just one example of a standard. The, the cleaning, no job is too small. You also have a character standard. I, I think I, they, they start to build, and this is kind of answering two before we answer one is, you know, you start to progress them. If you're not capable of holding the bathroom standard, uh, I'm not going to trust you with the next standard which is our customers or our products or our service. And so you start to identify these key principles. Take Kate for a perfect example, phenomenal individual, you know, somebody who's added a, a tremendous amount of value uh, to our organization. I, I couldn't tell you if Kate has a degree or not. And if she does, I don't know what it's in, but I can tell you if she's got a degree in being one hell of a human. And that is something that you can't teach somebody. That is something that somebody wants to be. And she, they have to yes, want to be it. Cares, interesting. Right? Yeah, they have to care. And but but they care in a way that it's palpable. People can say they care or they can feel that they care, but it doesn't necessarily yeah, translate I, I, to without action. action. Nothing else matters. Right. And so I, I think that's a that's an extremely valuable point. Like everybody cares. But what are you what are you doing about it? You know, like, how are you showing them that you care? How are you implementing the care? And I think that piece uh, Gabrielle is so incredibly important to the progression of what makes the people here successful versus the ones who don't maybe aren't as successful or don't last is I'm not so focused on the talent because at the end of the day, uh, people buy or people gravitate towards people they like always people who care about them. They will reciprocate, reciprocate that care. People who understand that the person next to them is willing to fight with them not against them, not to beat them in that capacity. Those people bond, and that bond is what we really chase. The bond that we're all in the same boat, we're all rowing in the same direction, we're all going for the same cause, is way more important than me identifying one singular talent of an individual, say sales, and say, well, this guy's better than everybody else because he sells more. No, no, If you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go with a team. And our team is way more valuable than a singular talent. And I think that's where really we have found our niche. If you look at our company model, you know, the, the sport of bodybuilding, which is where kind of everybody hones in in the sports nutrition industry, even though that's not really where we are. Um, it's an individual sport or it's an individual activity. And that's only for a small percentage of the sports performance field, right? Or the weight loss field. We have chosen a model where it's us, not me, you know, and, and, and when you look at, that model, we have to develop that, that same culture inside these walls as we're trying to attract outside of these walls. And people want to be included. People want to be a part of something great. Sure, do we want to have idols and do we want to have people that we, you know, you know identify as, as great, you know, say some of these, you know, great bodybuilders or great sports performance people? Sure. But when it comes to changing their own life, what is most relatable to the human that we're dealing with outside of these walls? Well, we have to create an environment of really good humans who care about helping other people change their life, and they execute on those core principles, which is b being a good human, which we have a core value structure that we, you know, that we kind of guide our young people through here uh, at HQ. But it's, it's all done with a great deal of intention around making sure that we develop young leaders, identify quality, quality characteristics based around caring, uh, believing in what it is that we do and then, you know, leading by example through execution and making sure that we're impacting and changing other people's lives. And I would say that you're slow to give that trust over. Would you say that's true? Very slow. <laughs> I'm a <laughs> Very I, I, slow. I think that I was hanging around HQ for two years 
Yeah, I mean, Prior. It's, it's one of those. Well, and that's done with a great deal of intention. My, I value my trust and loyalty so much that, you know, the moat that I build around me, uh, I want it to almost be impenetrable because in you get burned a few times. The problem when you be humble, right, or or stay humble is one of our, our core values, and then. Really getting vulnerable is something that I have learned um, through an extremely type A early version of myself, very egotistical. And I'm very confident now some would view as egotistical and I'm, I'm okay with that. But somebody, you know, who I was kind of out there and, and I, but I, that moat was a shelter moat. You know, I would, you're not going to see the inside of me. I'm just, this is the persona I'm going to be. And that's that. And I was never, I never really was able to see my own flaws. I was never able to take advice from other people in that capacity. And really it was the demise of maybe who I was as an individual and not something I wanted to be. It was just kind of how I molded myself. And what I realized is that if I want people to tell me their deep, dark secrets, I'm going to have to tell them mine, right? All of my insecurities. And I, and I realized, you know, kind of going back to asking the, you know, the hot girl out in the room, I realized that if we're going to help you know, people at scale change their life. Like I have to share my story. You know, my, mine's imperfect too. I'm, I'm not uh, losing weight and going through the whole fitness thing. is not easy for me. It's a challenge. And so what I realized, instead of me just kind of telling them every once in a while, Hey, I'm kind of like you, I would just literally spew and explain to them. I am just like you. Did you ever regret? Did you ever regret moments of vulnerability? I, I, I think you do when you get burned. Okay, like when people when in business, what, ha what our forward-facing model, our customers, they they really do a great job at reciprocating that because I, I tell them everything. Like I, I think you know me well enough now. I'll tell you anything, like anything you want to know. Like I'll let it fly. And the more weird it is, the better off I am. But with when you have business relationships or employees who then take advantage of the vulnerability, and I think that's the scary part. You know, when you you give it to them and then they. And I've only been burned one or two times, but it hurts. That part, that part sucks. But when you, when you pull it back and you look at it, that vulnerable piece of my life has allowed me to excel in such a different level of relationship with not only my employees, but our customers. It's also allowed me to have a much better marriage because I, I don't have to walk in my house and be like, I'm the guy and this is what it is. I, I tell my wife everything and we have an unbelievable marriage that I'm extremely proud of. And I think that vulnerable piece was really, really hard for me. But it's also one of the things, one of the key pieces on why I've been able to develop so much trust and loyalty to our, our key staff members is my, those guys and girls know I would do anything for them. Like I would do anything for them. And it's, it's a phone call or a text away. The answer is yes. You know, and if I got to show up with Bud Light, I show up with Bud Light. If I got to show up with flowers, I show up with flowers. I got to show up with a shovel and buy bags of lime. Well, guess what? That's what we're doing tonight, right? So it's one of those things where that vulnerability piece, although scary, has really allowed me a great deal of relationships that I would never have had otherwise. And that starts at my home and it goes through every other aspect of my entire life. Was there a defining time where you had this realization that in order for you to change the world on a global level, you were going to have to expose yourself in some way, right? Doesn't have to be everything. But was there a moment where you had a learning lesson or some experience? Yeah, I, I think everybody's kind of seen that movie. Um, I think it's called Liar, Liar with Jim Carrey, right? Is it, that's the movie. And I think that piece, um, I had lived, thank you. I had lived a life previous to the one that I have now. That was in traditional sales. So I, I was, I played baseball in college, you know, so then I got, then I played a little bit after college, got drafted in like the last day of the draft, blah, 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 blah. I wasn't any good. I just, I, I was good enough to get here, but not there. So I was like, I always had like this, I don't say alter ego, but you're, you're raised to think like, you know, you should never show weakness. This is how you are. This is, you're always competitive. And I think a lot of people are, are raised that way. And when I got into corporate Talk, America, do your I'm just, I, I don't want to steer right. us off this, but for your kids, is this something that you teach them yeah, in I mean, terms of vulnerability? I, yeah. I, I would say. Which by the way, he has three. Enzo yeah, and two uh, beautiful twin girls who my daughter is actually obsessed with. 
Yeah. Well, five and four, and we'll see. That come in. They'll play. But the um, I actually think it will ultimately be the best. The best skill set. The skill set of vulnerability will be the best skill set. I haven't realized what the true benefit of it ha- has or will be until I actually get to do that with my kids. Um, you know, letting them know it's okay to be afraid and go. Letting them know that it's okay to be scared and still take the first step. Letting them know, you know, Enzo got his first 11 stitches this week. Like, hey, man, like telling him the story. And I know that's really stupid, but he has to know that I was scared too when I got my first stitches. You know, a lot of guys be like, oh, come on, be the man. You know, and it's like, hey, man, like, hey, here's the deal. I remember being scared, Enzo, and I remember going to the hospital, and you know, and I was scared, and I would tell him the story, you know, he's, and you know, he freaked out a little bit, but he sat there and took it like a little man. But I was able to relate to him in that piece, right? Like I had to let him know, like, hey, Dad, do you cry? Yeah, I cry. It's okay. It's part of the deal, you know. Like, so I, I and I think you know they're still young enough where I will, I think the future leads a, a lot more. There's a lot more uh, benefit to come from from that vulnerability piece. Right. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, is it is it the right way for everybody? I, I don't know. Um, I can tell you for me, I went and tried to play that hard ass role for a long time. You know, super competitive when I was in corporate sales. And then, you know, and then you get into like everything is about you. And that's how you know, that's how you're like in a, in a high level com- competition or sport or life or an elite group of people. Like there's the single aspect and the team aspect. And everybody outside of that, you kind of burn in some capacity. And, you know, when I was in corporate sales, I didn't, I did really well because I was super competitive and I understood it, but I could manage people, but I could never get them to go with me. And the reason being is because I always, I played what the traditionalist would call as, you know, how it's supposed to be done. I'm alpha male. This is my way. You're going to do it my way or get out, right? And Nobody, when you're really leading people, they don't really care. You know, like at the end of the day, like as soon as the door closes, they're saying, they're saying, well, guy doesn't even care about me. He cares about the number, you know, and, and I, and I was fortunate enough to be able to start to understand those things, um, you know, through some hard conversations, I lost some employees. This is, you know, pre first form, you know, I was managing people and my, my job got insurmountably harder or more difficult because now these people aren't. They're not buying into me. I'm going out and I'm having to do their job because they don't really care because they don't buy into me. And so I really had a fresh start when we when we started first form. I was like, all right, well, I've done that. And that way, you know, we had a lot of success and, you know, we were able to do it. But, boy, it was hard. <laughs> like I didn't I didn't like doing it. So I, I, I got better at saying, hey, listen, we were in this shit together. OK, well, this is our boat. Our job is to keep the holes out of the boat. And keep the oars in the water. And if we can row in the same direction, we're going to get to where we need to go a hell of a lot faster, right? Now, this is my role. This is your role. If you need help, you call me and I'm going to come help you. And I learned that, you know, through sharing those struggles through those processes, um, we were able to generate a lot more team, a lot better environment. Uh, I was able to, you know, really cultivate better relationships and, you know, grow friendships. And that's the thing is, Oh, you can't be friends with your employees. I am. I mean, those are the guys and girls I hang out with. Well, you guys are more like a family. Yeah. But I mean, we seem to be doing pretty good. Right. And I like these people. So, (laughs) and I have a feeling that you wouldn't hire anyone you didn't like or that rubbed you the wrong way. There's no way that they would survive. They don't last long. I can tell you. No. I'd like to take a moment to thank one of the partners of the show. And that is insight tracker. You can go to Insight Tracker forward slash Dr. Lion for 20% off. One of the reasons why I love Insight Tracker is that in order to perform at the level that Sal is talking about, that ceiling will always be your health. And the only way in which you can direct your health is to number one, actually know where you're at. And by understanding what your blood work looks like, you can make choices that can improve your life, whether it is looking at inflammatory markers, hormones, you know, which include testosterone, thyroid, estrogen, you name it. It is critical to understand even your vitamin D levels. You need to know that. Inside Tracker does a great job at making it available to you. And for a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Listen, if you are looking to be the best version of yourself, there's only one way to do that. 
And that is really by knowing where you are from a health and wellness standpoint. Go to insidetracker.com forward slash Dr. Lion, check it out, be diligent, disciplined, and get after it. You know, it makes me wonder, and I'm sure the listener is wondering, do you have mentors? Do you have people that you go to for counsel that perhaps really or really excel in team dynamics, those kinds of things? Yeah, I would actually say um, I'm not lacking in the area currently, um, but I had some very, very strong coaches and men in my life early that really led this way in a different way. And as I've matured, I've been able to, I was able to identify why they did certain things the way they, they did. And one of them was my, my college baseball coach, who was one of the best men that I ever met. And ironically, this is going to sound really, really weird. The next guy I met was the CEO of Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And he had a very similar team mindset to the, to the, uh, to the employee employer relationship and enterprise rent a car is the largest independently owned and operated um, business in the world is $26 billion in revenue privately held. And both of those individuals played very key roles in some of my kind of checks and balance systems. And ironically, I've lost both of them. They both died of mandible cancer, the same thing. So that it's super unusual. And then it makes me, then, I'm, then my brain starts going in bad places, but Though I, I think God gives you, you know, some of the greatest things in small doses, and you have to learn to identify and, and extract the best that you can from them. And in Cal's perspective, who was my coach, he was very adamant about, <clears throat> you know, he's one of the first guys I know that writes thank you cards, and that's something that we instill here across the board, and it's a non-negotiable for us. Um, he was <clears throat> he was a great man in living by the code of there's never a wrong time to do the right thing. And even if that's, uh, and I don't know if they cuss on here. So Dr. Gabrielle, go right ahead, go okay. right ahead. <laughs> even if, that, if that's, you got to tell the guy in front of you to fuck off because he's picking on somebody. Uh, that's the right thing to do. If you have to apologize because you were wrong, that's the right thing to do. And you should do that. And you got to own it. Good, bad, or indifferent. You got to own what, whatever it is. And, and I think learning to face that as a young man and watching somebody go through that, it really, it didn't even strike me at 22 or 23. It struck me at 35, you know, where those that, you know, Lou Holtz, who's a, a phenomenal, you know, legendary football coach. That's his quote, at least where I read it is never a wrong time to do the right thing. And Cal always, always spoke to it. And I always watched him interact. And if he lost his cool, how he apologized, how he went through it, and then watching him explain why it was important or, you know, explaining his emotional side of it. Like, hey, I'm aggravated because this, 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 and this. And I think it was a, it was a great way to watch him interact with life. And, and it taught me a lot about, hey, you're not going to be perfect, okay? You're going to go through life. I get mad. I get frustrated. Every, every once in a while, I get pissed off. If I lose my cool, it's, it's very few and far between. You need to go and own your shit if you're wrong. And watching him do that has helped me a great deal, especially with our employees, because I do get frustrated and I do struggle because I have a high expectation and sometimes they don't meet it. But instead of me just being pissed at them and them thinking that I'm pissed at them and just you need to do better next time, circling them back, bringing them back in and really laying down the groundwork and saying, hey, listen, this is my expectation. This is what I this is what I was expecting. This is why I got frustrated you know, I need you to explain to me where I misled you so that I can lead you to a road that, that is better suited for where we're both going. And that leader for me was a huge because that was a big piece. Greg, um, who is the enterprise CEO, who we just lost Greg two years ago in September. <clears throat> he's somebody who I met and I only had two years with, um, but I grew close with him very fast because we just had a very similar process and mindset. And you know, his thing was, is <clears throat> there's a gray area between friends and leaders and, you know, making sure that you never, you never tolerate the gray area is how they will respect and understand where you sit. And just because you enforce the gray area where most people will let it be gray, they will respect you for holding the standard more than they will resent you for enforcing it on them. And that piece, when you start talking about how to create a family, I look at it as a great dad 
will not let his son or daughter slip on something that is gray. They will enforce it because it's important to their name. It's important to the last name of the family. It's a direct reflection of the father and the home. That's how I look at it. And I think when you raise your employees in a very similar environment, like, hey, man, like I can tolerate the fact that you you fucked up. But we're going to I'm going to address this situation. There's going to be some 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 punishment to the situation itself. And we're going to correct it so it doesn't happen again. You know, and, and you have to be willing to enforce that in the tightest of areas. And I think people who love you and care about you and respect you, they will they will actually they will go deeper for you because they know that you had to make a really tough judgment call on the difference between black and white or let them tolerate inside the gray. But you took the tough road, right? You took the hard road. When you got to the T, instead of going right and letting it slide, you went left and addressed the tough situation. And what happens is it teaches them to start addressing the tough situations in their life. And when you start, yeah, when you really start living by that code, those pieces, man, everything else, everything else seems to take care of itself. You know, and if you're walking in here, you know, the chairs are pushed in and everything's wiped down. There's no trash on the floor. Wait, wait, wait. The chairs are angled. They're not pushed in. They are perfectly angled. And and the joke there, I don't know if you know this, but you know we used to take their chair. So the, if the chair is not put away correctly, we would take their chair and hide it. And they have to come back and get it. And they would have to explain why they didn't put it back correctly. So, but those are things, right? Like, hey, listen, I, we're, these little things we're going to manage along the fly. But you know, I, I think when you when you teach people to hold themselves to a higher standard. And then they can they realize the value that they can create in somebody else's life by holding that same standard. You become a resource. You are a valuable resource. And the whole key to life is adding value to other people's lives. And if you want to be a, por- a person of importance, you have to add value in all cases. And these cases for both of these men, it was the it was the the mentality in the back of my head that I knew the difference between right and wrong because they taught it to me, and it was my job to play that card. And that piece. That, that self-managing piece that the conscious of your mind, right, is so, it's so important to life that I think if you can instill it in, in a good value system, if you can instill that into the young men and women that you go to war with every single day, they will stick up for you. They will buy into you. If you go left, they're going to go left. If you go right, they're going to go right. If you sit down, they're going to sit on their ass. And I think when you can learn to really, truly, genuinely live by there's never a wrong time to do the right thing and enforcing the standard. I think building a culture is is an automatic byproduct of that, assuming that you're living by a good moral standard. I think that's incredible. You know, and you said something that I think is really profound about the self-managing piece. The, you know, what I hear is really an emotional control. You know, I wonder you're very successful. You're very successful on a daily basis within your family, within the culture of your business. And I wonder how long do you allow yourself to, actually, I have two questions. The first one is how long do you allow yourself to um, celebrate a win when something goes well, right? How long are you actually celebrating a win or you're expecting it to happen? And then the second thing is, how do you experience the stress of what you're doing? And I have a sense that it's probably in a very positive way and perhaps different than other people would experience, quote, stress. I have some really, you caught this, that second question, a really good time in my life. Question one, um, I probably don't celebrate success as often as I should or as deeply as maybe one would want. Um, and, and this is going to sound silly i'm really highly competitive so that plays you are yeah i'm just kidding (laughs) totally kidding no no i know and you know my my expectation is to win you know and and i think a lot of people well that's unrealistic i I mean i I do understand that you can't win at everything i do understand that but you should tell my husband that yeah 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 (laughs) but my expectation is to like i don't i don't get into things that i don't plan on dominating is just how my brain's wired. And so, you know, if winning is the expectation, well, then it's like being clean at being clean after the shower. That's your expectation. You get in the shower, you shower, get out of the shower, I'm clean. That's good. All right, keep moving. And I think with winning, it's a very similar mindset. Like I'm, we are trying to set up a game plan in order to do what we got to get in order to get done. But I think that, you know, the caveat to that is what is a win? 
you know, my subjectiveness and somebody else's subjectiveness to the definition of what winning is could be totally different. I think maybe that's where I struggle, you know, because I try to sell, I try to celebrate the personal success of the individual inside our company versus the company's success at scale. For instance, Will, who you know really well, he, he is like one of my sons. So I have like six or seven kids who I refer to as my kids. And, you know, Will bought his first house. You know, he closed on his house on Tuesday at two o'clock. Well, the first per- I'm the first person there, you know, because I want to see his house. I want him to give me the tour of his house. You know what I mean? And, and I love that kid and I'd do anything for him in the entire world. And in return, he would do it for me. And I think that win of life is more important than us selling another hundred million dollars or another $400 million or and launching this or doing that. Like, and so I don't look at those as wins. I look at those as the expectation that we're trying. That's what we're doing. But when one of our guys or girls gets married or they have children, like to me, those are wins that need to be celebrated. And I think a lot of times, and this is why corporate America gets astray or some leaders get astray because they focus on the financial wins so heavily that they get lost in realizing all these huge milestones in life that are going by while they're looking over to the left. And I've learned to try to take these things to the right, you know, and, and celebrate those those life wins with our people, which is, which is what makes me feel good. It's not, I don't do it because it's a tactful thing to do. I do it because you know how excited I am to watch one of my guys go buy a house, you know, to go experience life or have children and and the thing is, and the shitty part about that piece is, Dr. Gabrielle, is I don't just celebrate the wins with them. I celebrate the losses with them too. You know, like we have people who go through divorces and we have people who, you know, have hardships in life. And and part of being a great leader is like, you're not just there with the, you know, with the Bud Light, you know, for the, for the celebration, you're there with the Bud Light for the, for the, you know, head in the hands crying. Like, and it's like, Hey man, like, I don't, I don't want to do that. But it's part of it's what you signed up for whenever you became whenever you started to learn to to be a servant leader and actually lead with emotion. And this is the problem I have with like all these assholes online is, you know, they want to tell you all these things. And the truth of the matter is, is like I know, you know, like and I it's probably my biggest downfall is I don't go out and put as I, I would like to call them all out one by one and I just start dismantling them. But it's not worth it. You would never who but who ultimately has the time for that? It distracts you Nobody. from the That's other right. things. I, this, right. a, a plumber actually told me this. This is a great idea. And, and it, this could be so true for the business world. Don't let me on in the other. You're going to have to remind me of the other question because I have the perfect answer. Oh, the stress. OK, thing. I, I can't wait. The, the, yes, the stress thing. The um, a plumber told me those who can't do teach those who can't teach inspect. OK. And that's how the plumber mindset. And I think in business, it's such a perfect thing. Like if you're really good at business, you're probably not out selling business courses all day long. You know what I mean? Like your, your business income should trump your coaching income 20 X in some capacity. And somehow because of Instagram, we have all these business coaches who make more money coaching than they do doing business. And so I always ask like, Hey, before you go pay that guy money, what does he do? Like ask him what he does. You know, Andrew has an unbelievable business school. Andrew's, Andy's my brother. He has an unbelievable business school. And the joke is, is like 2091 Fenton Logistics Parkway. Come look at it. You know what I mean? You walk through it like it's an actual thing, you know? And all these other guys online, it's like, well, I, I'll teach you how to build a click funnel. Well, that's not a real business. Like, what is that? You know, it doesn't teach you. Can you drive revenue? Of course, but it's going to come and go. Easy come, easy go. A business is something that will sustain over a long period of time because of culture, people, stress, going back to it because I – I don't want to get on the, the rant of insignificance. The stress is a really hard thing. And I think especially for, um, I don't want to classify myself as a highly dominant male, but for somebody who's extremely prideful um, in who they are, what they stand for and what they represent. I've, I've been very good over the last 20 years of my life, like never showing that card, that stress card. And up until recently, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I never experienced it. I would maybe experience more anxiety than I did stress in that capacity because, you know, I could attack it, but I don't know if it's me becoming a father. I don't know if it's realizing that life is going a lot faster than it is, you know, but recently I've had a much tougher time dealing with stress than I ever did in the past. And, and how are you defining stress? Stress is for me, stress, stress isn't an emotional bear that, that is unshakable. Like I, I, you can't, you can't get away from the, the heaviness that sits inside of you. 
Um, stress is not, um, I mean, if, if you were to look at, and this is just me being, at least from my perspective, my life from the outside looking in, I, I don't think could be better. I don't, I don't really, and I take a great deal of pride. I mean, I work really hard on my marriage. I work really hard on trying to be a dad. I work really hard on trying to be a leader, successful business person. I work really hard on all those things, you know? Um, and I think from the outside looking in, and this is probably the struggle with social media is like, they don't let you open up the can of worms because everybody views it as perfect and it's not perfect. It's hard, you know, and, and, and holding and living to that standard, you know, is, is difficult. And, you know, managing people and their emotions is difficult. And when you start to really unpack it, my, my younger self, I just shed it away and I just kind of, you know, I deal with it. No matter how much shit came down the hopper, I would just take it. And the older version of me is I've really tried to get better at, you know, identifying what stresses me out, identifying what makes me stressed, identifying what causes me to lose sleep, and identifying people who are takers, not givers, not, you know, not value drivers to your life. And up until, and it, and it's going to sound a little bit all over the board, and I, I don't mean to be like a scatterbrained, but until you can unpack those things out of your life and realize that there are a lot of people who they don't want you to do well, and you got to get them out of your circle. And there's things, there are people who are going to, you know, not treat you the same way that you treat them. And you got to get those people out of your life. And the problem is, is when you start cleansing them later in life, uh, you start to realize that, you know, you spent a lot of time, energy and effort on people who didn't really reciprocate that to you. And I think for me, that was the piece that hurt the most. I think that was the piece that I had to realize that that was real stress for me because I have invested in these people emotionally at a very deep level. And they weren't returning or reciprocating that same action. And so I... I went through a period of life recently where it was, it was extremely stressful because I started to realize that, you know, like your, your group of friends is actually smaller than you think it is. Right. And your, your, your synergy of life is, is very focused. And then I think this is, this goes back down to the family first thing. You know, if you let your priorities get out of whack, you may benefit short term, but in the long term, you're going to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to process these things. And I know this doesn't, this is sounding really unclear, but Happiness is from in, inside out. Happiness is not from outside in. And you have to earn that respect from yourself and you have to earn that that feeling of quality from yourself so that you can confidently walk out into society in any capacity and understand that who you are is what you are and what you stand for is what is matters and being a good person it goes a long way and you know and you have to deal with maybe some of your um, your shortfalls through life. And when you process those things, it's hard. Yeah. There's a lot of friction with that. Yeah. Discomfort and friction. And it's okay. Yes. But I, 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 my challenge to somebody who may be going through a hard time, keep going because going back to it, you know, for those people who will take that from you, um, you put one foot in front of the other, the other, you keep moving. And on the other side of that pathway is a, is a, is a, is a lot brighter pasture. And, you know, it's, you realize the most important things in life are not money. Uh, they are not fame. They are not a sports car. They are not anything other than your health, the relationships that you have with yourself, the relationships you have with the people that are closest to you. Um, you know, the people that you spend the majority of your life with, which for me is literally my wife, my kids and, and the guys and girls I go to work with every day. And I think when I refocused what was most important to me, which is the relationships with myself the relationships with the people closest to me and everything else doesn't really matter. I, I was able to really go and realize that I was creating and inbounding more stress than I was really um, by allowing these people my time, energy and effort than I was just by setting good boundaries and letting them out there. And I have, I feel like Superman having gone through that process because now I, I just, I digest it on the front side. Like, Hey, if this person is not, extremely valuable to me from an emotional standpoint has nothing to do with money has nothing to do with fame has nothing to do with cool factor if they're not valuable to me as a human then i don't want them in my life i don't need them and that's incredible but I, you know 
yeah. I, I mean, I think though to the, to the young person who's, we deal in a social environment called Instagram or social media in general, and we try to compare ourselves from a cool factor to everybody else. And the best advice I can give you is fuck them, be you, just be you. And I, and I, if you know me at any level, which, you know, my, my guys, I don't care about being cool on the internet. I don't be, I'm not, I don't care how many followers I have on Instagram. I don't, I care about the quality of individual that I can build around me so that when I leave this world, those people who are younger than me, the message that I was able to change, the lives, you know, the husbands that I was able to make better husbands or wives I was able to make better wives by changing their lives, losing 10 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, maybe creating a job, building a house. When I go, those people will take care of my children and the, and the, and the real message that will carry through life is the core value structures that I live by because I help those people change their life. And that's what matters to me not me leaving my kids an extra chunk of change. Like those lessons in life are more important to me. And if I can eliminate, you know, all the outside noise, I realize I can manage my stress a hell of a lot better. I think that that's really profound. What I'm hearing you say is the source of stress for you is actually a discourse with who you are, your morals, and your baseline fundamental character beliefs and not being in alignment with that. For example, allowing other people that perhaps are really peripheral or not making the world better and the relationship better. It took me 12 minutes because I'm not very intelligent. It took you 30 seconds because your brain can process it at a, at a lot faster capacity. But yes, exactly that. <laughs> I, I actually think that that's incredible. And I think that that's an incredible lesson for people because typically we use stress to describe a flat tire, a death of a loved one, a divorce. But what you so really articulately brought up was that the root cause of stress was this discourse between your internal self and the external world. And that is really profound. That, so. that was the struggle for me, though. You know, and that's and I think to your point, I think a lot of times we focus on things that are not we make we make our own stress, you know. Like, I agree with you. Also, I agree with you. Like, hey, you know, real stress is not living the life that you're meant to live because you know you know the difference between right and wrong, and so you're you're going against the grain that you know internally in your heart, and you know that. Like when you lay your head down at night, you know, you know, and and when you can eliminate all those those outside factors, life gets significantly better. You know, I promised that that was going to be my last question, but I have to mention one more because I would really be doing a disservice to everybody. You are one of the very few servant leaders that really highlights their family and really talks about the relationship with your wife and your children. And I'm just curious as to, you know, why and where that plays a part in your foundation? I think, um, you know, I didn't come from a traditional white picket fence house. Um, you know, my parents were divorced at three, four years old. And, you know, something I always wanted in life and something I always cherished was, I don't want to say the perfect family because nobody, you know, everybody, we all know that when you close the doors, everything's not perfect, right? Like at least, I'm, at least I have the cojones to at least claim that. The, and I think it's something I always longed for and it's something I always wanted. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of young men, because that's my demo, a lot of young men, you know, they get fantasized by this, you know, I'm going to be a hustler and I'm going to be a pimp and I'm going to be cool and I'm going to chase all the girls. I'm, and I live that life. That's the truth. I mean, I did all that. And I can tell you um, that one is, is very short-lived. That one is very uh, unfulfilling, and there's no there's no real purpose to life in, in in being that human from from my perspective. I didn't like it. That's the truth. Now that's what was cool when you're 22 or 23 or 26. But the truth of the matter is, is I needed to grow up and and become a real man. And that that's that was a piece for me that was in it. It was a hard change. And once I changed and I started to realize, like, you know, I had to focus on being a good 
if I was going to really live the best life that I could, I had to be a good husband first because, or I had to be a great husband. I had to be a, a, a great husband first because if I'm going to bring children into the environment, I got to set the example on what, what it is. And being a great husband is, you know, man, I got to, you know, my wife is a great woman and she's a strong woman and she's a su- successful woman. And, you know, sometimes I'm wrong. I don't like saying I'm wrong. You know, sometimes I'm right. I don't like having arguments, you know, sometimes. And so you learn to navigate those waters. And I think so many young men struggle with how to have that conversation or what they should do at home or how they should be. It's like, well, okay, well, then I'm going to be it. You know, one of our core values is lead by example. I'm going to have to get vulnerable enough to go in and tell my guys like, hey, this is the right thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. The right thing to do is go home. You know, do I do I want you to go out with us tonight? But yeah, but your wife's six months pregnant and she's struggling right now. Get your ass at home. Like, you know, the younger version of me is saying, hey, you need to go out with us. She's fine. She's not doing anything. You know, and I know that sounds stupid, but we've all get in these little pressure situations. And I think when you start setting the nuclear family at home and you set it up to be so strong, I think a lot of other ancillary things in life seem to fall into place. And I think when you look at the current environment of society, the weak leadership inside the home is so prevalent in all of these failures that, okay, if I'm going to fix the world truly, you know, if I can, if, if that's my, my true service from God to the world, it's not just about money and how I can donate to 30 for the kids and change lives to Haiti. It's not just how I can, um, you know, help hundreds of thousands of people change their lives through the app. It needs to start inside my own house. And I had to flip the script. You know, my, my dad was divorced twice and I got half brothers and, you know, I probably got brothers and sisters across the country. Okay. Well, I love my dad. My dad is, is an absolute stud, not the life I want to live. And it would be really easy, just like everybody else to fall into the trap that their mom and dad did. But I had to take a different pathway and I had to learn differently. And so I, I, I want young men specifically to know that there is a huge amount of happiness and success in making sure that you're a great husband. And I can tell you that, you know, being a great husband and and finding the right partner will hugely impact your success in your life. Because when I go to work every day, my wife doesn't, she's not harassing me on what time I'm get home and this, that, and the other. She's been my best supporter over the last, you know, 12 or 13 years that I've been here. She challenges me. She wants me to succeed. Not, not because of finance or financial reasons, she wants me to succeed because she knows it's what drives me. And if I can go out and give it hell every single day and feel great about what it is, when I come home, I'm a better man because I'm able to succeed at what it is. And she knows that, so she supports me. And so when I come home, um, you know, I want to support her. And, and my Uncle John who taught me a lesson. And I remember I was, you know, in my 20s, and he always said this thing to me. He would, he would drink all the time. And so every time he would tell me like the same five lessons and, you know, because he forget that he'd tell it to me, but one always rang true to my head and I've spoken about it a few times, but he always says, if you want to make, if you want to be King, she must first be queen because without queen, there is no King. And I, the 22 year old version of me is like, yeah, whatever, you know, 25 year old version of me is like, yeah, whatever. 41 year old version of me says, that's probably the best advice I ever fucking got. And the reason being is, yeah, because, you know, the queen's the most versatile piece on the board. And, you know, you realize how smart people were over time. But the thing being is there's so much power that's created through a cohesive, strong relationship at home that I can go do what I got to do in order to get done to take care of my family. And she supports me. And when, you're, when you can clear that of your brain and I can go attack. You can go hunt. That the home is the spring girl. I mean, I, I can't, I can hunt them all. You know, like I know that she, she gives me the support and it gives me purpose. And then you add kids to the mix. That's the pop. That's the power. You know, that's the extra throttle. That's like, okay, now I got, it's more than just me. It's more than just her. It's us. She supports me. I go do my job and I'm going to do it well. And that piece, I think gets lost in translation, whether it be rap videos or Dan Bilzerian or, you know, like all this shit you see on Instagram. It's like, wait a minute. The strong, the strong home is the best thing I got. It is the best thing I got. And the thing is, is, and then it allows me to create to these young men and women, like now I can relate to them. Like, Hey, listen, you're struggling at home. Well, you know, did you tell the truth? Right? Like we go through this little thing, like, Hey, what do you, you know, don't hide, don't lie. Don't, you know, and you know what? They respect me for it because I'll tell them. I'll tell them the struggles. You know, and I, I, 
there's two, there's two things that create problems, not stress, although problems can become stress. And it, they're prevalent in everybody's life. And I already know this, and I'm pointing to my door. Nothing good comes through my door, okay? That's the role I have, nothing good. No. Is that why you have windows? Is that, That's why it's all window, right? So I'll tell you what, can... if I redesign, I have two <laughs> buildings going in a crossway and I move my office over there and it's gonna be like, I'm gonna have skylights so I know what's going on outside. But you're not gonna be able to see if Sal's in there or not. But I did just refer to myself in the third person. You can cut that out. But the, um, <laughs> the piece being is like, there's two problems that are prevalent. And if you can learn to create or build bridges between these two problems and help them solve, uh, they will find an infinite amount of value. One is money. Every young person struggles with money. In fact, every old person struggles with money. What you realize is if you can help them with that baseline education, I haven't moved so my lights went off. If you can help them with that baseline education on basic finances, they start to earn a little bit of trust in you. So you, you taught them something, then they trust you. Same thing with relationships. If you can teach them how to be a good partner and help them through your struggles that you've made, help them maybe not make the exact same struggles or not as many times, they will find a great deal of value in you. And if you can help solve two of the biggest problems that come through my door, money and relationships, you find yourself in a valuable position always. And so I've learned to always try to create and connect inside those two environments, uh, even though they have nothing to do with supplementation, they have nothing to do with, you know, calories, proteins, uh, fat loss, muscle gain, vegan, pescatarian, you know, carnivore, it doesn't matter. If you can help them there, they'll follow you down the pathways of other areas of life and they'll do it with confidence. Sal Frisella, husband, father, and leader. Thank you so much for sharing your time. We are, I, we and I are incredibly appreciative. You have so much wisdom and just so much good to give to the world that I wanted to thank you for coming well, I appreciate on. it, Mama. Thank you for everything. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity. I love doing it. Like I was telling you on the precast, I, I love doing this. So I, hopefully I added value to the listener. Uh, and if there's anything you know that I can help anybody with, always know that you can reach out to me. And you can find him. Yeah. Where can yeah, they find at you? Mis <laughs> at Mr. Frisella on Instagram. I, I'm, I love, I've been on Instagram so long that you didn't use your own name. And it's funny because then somebody took my name and then they tried selling me my name. And then, yeah. oh. and then I reported him and then Instagram blocked him. But now Instagram won't unlock my own name. So I can't use it. So I'm still Mr. Frisella. Uh, and then on Facebook, it's Sal Frisella, which I don't use very often. And then um, obviously at first form is, is our business Instagram and in some capacity, I'm pretty active in, in, in those streams every day. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much. No, thank you. The Dr. Gabrielle Lyon podcast and YouTube are for general information purposes only and do not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice, and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast, YouTube, or materials linked from the podcast or YouTube is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professional for any such conditions. This is purely for entertainment and educational purposes only.